0: The course of my life and career i've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development it has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life and i'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life Most of my breakthroughs have come from one on one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Anthony Trucks, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me, man. Good morning to you. Great day.
0: Yeah, it is. Beautiful day here in Virginia. Hope all is well. Are you coming in from Arizona? I'm
1: from California. No California. Arizona for me. I'm not sure where you got Arizona, but you never know. Like I'm, once, once you get past like the Mississippi, it's like, ah, that's yeah. a whole other side of the world. Uh, but Virginia's nice. I actually used to play for the, the now commanders. So I lived in Ashburn, yeah. Virginia for a little while.
0: Heck yeah. Yeah, it's a solid team. And uh, definitely looking forward to diving into some of those details, what you've seen, where you've been. Um, yeah. But before we get started, you know what? Tell the audience a little bit about what mission you're on, what you're hoping each person that's listening in today walks yeah. away with.
1: Uh, oh, that's a great question, man. Uh, here's my thing. I hope people walk away with some understanding of exact next steps to be able to take their identity to a level that matches their goals. That's kind of my big thing. I'm an, I'm an identity guy, man. I believe you have, you cannot attain or sustain a life or goals or vision above your current identity. And so whenever we uh we dive into the work I do, my goal is to figure out who are you now? Who do you need to be to get what you want?
0: I love it. It's extremely impactful. Something a lot of people don't think about. I was forced to think about it, getting out of sports, because that's who Greg was. He was he was the athlete. That's mm-hmm. how the community looked at him. There was, you know, it was hard to get out of that box. I um, dig it you know what what do you see people typically face when it comes to you know shifting their identity um, in some of the work that you do
1: uh to be honest the first thing is man people don't know what they are we we have this uh, the statement I, I didn't make the statement up getting i think tim murphy or tom murphy never know that but anyways his statement was yeah. it's hard to see the label when you're inside the jar and the interesting thing is is a lot of us were living in the jar of our life and doing our thing and we're not quite I say consciously aware of what we're doing that's keeping us where we're at. And so while we go, I work real hard, I'm doing the best I can, well, two things become an issue. One is uh, the best you can do doesn't mean it's the best for your dream, right? Just because it's your hard, you're working real hard, relatively maybe hard to you doesn't mean your dreams going to lower the standard, right? It's not going to just like, oh, you're working hard? Let me go ahead and give you the million dollars you want because you're working hard. There's a standard for these certain things. And so a lot of us, we don't comprehend, like we're not playing at a standard. Uh, and so, I think if you can step back for a moment and accept that's a big piece of it. And then I think there's also part of it, uh, I guess, for me, that the ways that we, we function in life is like we have to be able to have other people give us insights, take the insight and give ourselves permission to improve in the area. So, most people's sticking point is they also don't take the insight to improve in that. So, they'll work real hard and they'll do their thing and they'll get five years down the road, 10 years down the road, and they'll go, like, Gosh, what? I'm burnt out. This sucks. The, the industry is horrible, all these things. And they never realize, like, no, you just you weren't doing what you needed to do. That, that's kind of the. I don't even want to call it like the, the tough love is the truth. Like there's things that you need to do to get what you want. And if you aren't doing them, you don't get it. I don't care how hard it were. You worked at it, how hard you've worked, whatever it feels like. It's just your relative hard and you aren't the scale for what success is.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's, that definitely resonates with me. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people listening in. Many people were all through going through transition. Um, continuously, right? I think a lot of people think of those big transitions as the, you know, the end all be all, but we're all constantly going through transition. Mm -hmm. You you talk a lot about dark work. I think, you know, to me, that that's that relatable internal work, that hard work we have to do on ourselves before we can bring our best into the world. You know, tell the audience a little bit about your background, kind of your upbringing. Um, I've done a lot of research on it, read your books, um, but I think it's important for them to hear kind of how you got to that point where you put a label to it of, you know, this is the dark work people have to do in order to bring their best into the light.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long journey to get there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm big I'm big on the dark work, the work you're doing on the dark. Yeah, like you said, work in the dark to win in the light. And and it's something we've all done before, but I've I've done it accidentally and then started doing it intentionally. And it's been a huge game changer for my entire life and people I work with. And it takes for me like a, a, a flow to go through my life to get to where it makes sense for other people. Cause a lot of people go, I've done some things, but for me, it was really weird life. Uh, I was given away as a kid in a three, you know, foster care at three years old, navigated the whole ups and downs of the, just the world, right? I was in families that weren't treating me right, didn't take care of me, didn't even care about me. I was a paycheck, they call it, meaning as long as they get paid for me to be there, all is right in the world. And so they beat me, starved me. It was just torture. It was crazy stuff. But there was no, you know, social media back in 1986. No one's paying attention to the little kid that's complaining at three years, four or five years old. You know, it's like that kid just wants to be home with their mom. So I endured a lot. And I was I was subjected to a dark experience of life. And it took a good 11 years before I got adopted. Uh, I got adopted at 14 years old by a very poor all white family to figure out the dynamics of who am I identity wise? Where do I fit? What's going on? And I had at one point a dream, like I wanted to play football. It's like, you know, for me, it's foster kids a pipe dream, because statistically, foster kids, we don't do very well. If you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. Half our homeless population spent time in foster care, less than 1% of us as foster kids graduate from college. So we're not set up to do very well statistically. And I was kind of in that role and trying to figure it all out. And I had this idea of like, I want to, I want to be great at something, I want to, Try my hand. And so I tried my hand at football. I was horrible at it at first, by the way. I wasn't very good. And navigate the pitfalls of doing it. But here's where it became something where I think we all fall in the same flow is I ended up having this really anchored desire to be great at something. I wanted something more than what life was providing me. But I was not the person who was doing the things to get that. For me, it was football. But I wasn't working out. I wasn't lifting weights. I wasn't running right? So I wasn't doing what a great football player would do. Therefore, I don't get to have that thing. And the hard part is we are all presently aware of that when you want to start the business, but you don't have any business acumen. Uh, You want to get a new job, but you don't want to go to school to get that job, right? You know what it takes just going to be hard and you feel uncomfortable doing that thing because it's not who you identify as currently. And so a lot of people go, it's not who I am, never going to do it. Whereas for me, The discussion wasn't as clear as it is now. It's just like, well, what do great football players do? Oh, they work out, lift weights and run. I'm going to go do that. And you do have this journey of, and everybody does this, where you start it and this is what happens. It's very difficult because you don't know what you're doing. It's clunky. It's uncomfortable. It's unsexy. On top of that, you're questioning every single day, should I be doing this? Is this something I want to be doing, right? Because it's so hard. Why, Why am I subjecting myself to this difficulty? Third thing you have is people misunderstand you completely like they don't understand why why are you doing that trucks you're skinny you're slow you're not, you can't can't even catch why are you out here doing these things right they misunderstand and even worse they ridicule you ah oh, you suck you'll never be great it's not who you are it's not meant for you and so we battle this for the business owner it's their their wife or husband or colleague or friend going you're not cut out for business you can never do that and you know you're going to suck at this and you going yeah maybe i do suck should i even try it right so we we battle these these demons and so what happens is you're now into the dark and for me that was my darkness and then here's where something unique takes place now people ask what's the difference between dark work and shadow work shadow work is when you look into the shadows to see what you need to work on uncover your your ghost we'll call it right dark work is what you do once you know what they are and so for me it was just going okay i'm gonna i'm gonna subject myself to this window of time that is not being praised not being celebrated it's ugly it's gritty it's dark But if I do this, two things happen. And I didn't know this back then. I just knew I wanted to be great. And I I didn't believe I'd be great. I just believed that if I was going to do nothing else, I for sure wasn't going to be great. So I might as well do something, right? But as an adult, I understand this now is when you lean into doing things in the dark, this is, I'm talking by dark, I mean away from the prying eyes of the world. Two things happen. One is you develop this amazing skill because you go farther than anybody else is willing to go. You learn more, you apply more, you try more, you fail more, you succeed more, right? So you develop this interesting skill that most people will never get a chance to develop. In fact, I watched a video recently. uh, I think Jesse Itzard said something like, if you just give yourself 15 to 20 minutes a day towards one focused area for 365 days, you'll be better than 90% of the world at that thing. It's just dark work, continuous stuff. When most people stop after day one, day two, day three, day 30, if you keep on going, right, something magical happens. And the magic thing is you get better at it, right? The other part of it is, you're actually developing this very interesting part of yourself that, that quietly is building. It's a little monster. And I call it a dominator's identity. When you invest money into something, money comes back. When you invest time and anguish and effort, pride and confidence come back. And it fuels this new level of an identity. So when you exit and I call it emerge into the world for that next thing you want to do for me was football, there's a different mentality stirring in you from that identity. And for me in the football field, it was me versus you. I've done seven months of work. Because what I did is I did, I lifted weights, I ran routes. I cut a football every single day, 500 times a day for an entire seven month period. When I showed up that next year, I'd done that dark work. I pushed it the ridicule, I pushed to the misunderstanding. I'd fought myself to stay in flow. And I had a mentality. And it was, I've done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. It's my football. It's my tackle. It's my touchdown. And while it's a football thing, it's the exact same thing when you've worked to build the business. So that's my sale. This is my business. I'm going to fight for this. That's my husband. I'm going to fight for this marriage. This is my wife. I'm going to fight for this marriage. This is my my family. I'm fighting for my kids. This is my my career. I'm going to fight for this. So you, you fight differently because you have the skill set to fight properly and you have this, this different energy inside that no one can take what's already yours. And so a lot of people want to show up to the moments in life and have that, but they don't earn it. And I look at it and I'll, I'll stop talking in a moment. I look at it as like this idea, of this language people have like imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. But I don't feel super confident. And I for a lot of years was like, what's a good angle to, to you know give words to get past it? And then it just dawned on me. I go, I've never seen Kobe Bryant, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan's, you know, you never see them get to the game day and go, like, I don't know if I could do this. They don't look, they don't look nervous, right? There's not this, I don't want to get out there. It's a let me loose. Like you have no idea what you're about to unleash because I've been prepping, I've been preparing. You ain't see me in the dark. I'm about to shine in the light. And so when people get this imposter syndrome, I go, the only reason you feel like an imposter is you haven't done the things in the dark. When you've done enough in the dark, it's not this, I don't know, it's let me loose. And so I just go back to the drawing board and go, hey, let's go to work. And I I actually saw a video recently. It's one prominent one. Hormozy got a great way of putting words together. He says, you have to outwork your doubts. It's essentially what we're talking to. Like you doubt you can be great. Do, Do work. Outwork them. Get better results. Have some, you know, some feedback. And so the more that you can build into something, the better something becomes, not just by magic, because you earned it.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And I, lo- I love how you said shadow work, because I think a lot of people do the dark work in the light because they're looking for recognition as they're working yeah. through those demons and yeah. the rest of the yeah. stuff they're just pushing, pushing down.
1: Yeah. You um, know, what's crazy is neurologically, that's a problem, too. There's, there's actually something I've called motor like mirror neurons in the brain and they show up in a lot of ways. It's they, they attach different like, for example, if I stub my toe and you see it you go, oof, right, because you can mirror right. the pain. There's some studies that show that if you put a person in a room and it's just them in the room, they're focused, they're effective, they're efficient, they can get things done. But the moment you put somebody else in a room, they lose focus. They're like almost 50% lost in effectiveness and and productivity. And they go, why is this? What you start finding is somebody's trying to mirror what somebody's thinking of them. Am I tapping my toe? Do I smell? Am I... So your focus just starts to, to wane, not because you can't do this, because you're just you're thinking, because you're mirroring something else. So it pulls your focus. So when you're in the light of people watching you, you can't be as effective. That's when you perform, not when you prepare. And then what happens is the way that most people don't get it, is like if you simply put a camera up and go, oh, it's just a camera. I'm just filming myself as my work day. I'm doing this. Yeah. But your brain knows it's a person later. So you're still thinking about Am I, is my hair good? Am I saying this right? Did I talk too fast? And you can't lock in. When you can lock in and do what Cal Newport calls this deep work, right? You, you go into flow state. It's a beautiful thing that happens. Time melts away. You're ridiculously productive, but that's also a segment of dark work. And so, when, when people want to have great things, you're talking to yeah, it's you got to be able to go away from the crowds and just do it for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that people don't do enough of the shadow work and they try to rush into this? You know. What you consider dark work and they don't really know what those demons they're facing are and they're just like i'm gonna focus on this one thing as opposed to recognizing what they're probably not looking at they're kind of yeah. avoiding it
1: might be the question of the day right there that's <laughs> the one that so here's what people like to do work we like to do things we want to just let me go i'm gonna focus on stuff and what happens is people it's like someone going to the gym going i want to get in great shape so i'm gonna go to the gym and they like they want to get faster right Well, if you want to get faster, you probably don't want to lift a bunch of bodybuilding stuff. Like you don't want to lift that, but you just, you do that, right? I saw the guy in the gym with big muscle. I'm going to go do what he does, but I want to get faster. Well, yeah, you're you're doing somebody else's work. So you're going to get someone else's results, not the goal you want. And so while that's a simple baseline, it's like people do this in business. They go, I want to be, I want to have a great business. And so they start working because they saw Nick do this thing. So they're following Nick's plan, but they don't realize Nick had certain things that Nick had to, to do for himself uniquely for him to get the business to run. Maybe he loves strategy and structure and he's not real big on execution. So he trained people to execute. Well, you're looking at him, but you're a person that's horrible at strategy. You're good at execution. So you start doing what Nick does, and your business doesn't grow. Why is that? Because that wasn't your work to do. That wasn't your strength to lean into or your area of weakness to improve upon. And so what a lot of people do is they're trying to put water in the bucket and fill it up. But they're they're like, if there's a placement of holes in a, in a bucket, they're plugging the whole space where there's somebody else's hole would have been. So there's nothing to plug and they're never plugging their holes, fixing their problems. Maybe they don't communicate well. Maybe they're poor on, on time management. They're always late. They don't respect their team properly. And you're doing everything else working hard but never plugging your holes. So the bucket never fills up. I wonder why it is. Well, Because what you just said, people never want to see their actual stuff they got to work on. It's. Uh, I think it's a big ego thing. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I'm not a, a culprit of this. When I came out of the NFL, I was like, I'm an NFL player. I'm going to have a great business. Everybody's going to train with me and my business, you know, because I'm just a stupid ego. And you start realizing like it's not the case, man. In fact, EGO, it's everyone's greatest obstacle because what happens is you won't take insight from people that are giving you clear perspectives of what you need to work on to improve. And so you cut off that arm. You don't let anybody give you that person ever talks to you against. So you just continue to do the same stupid stuff, not even knowing it's stupid stuff. And, and so for me, we have a practice within our our whole regimen where we have these things called triad talks. And what I have people do is just an area of 10 areas of life. We have people measure before we start going into what they're going to do in their dark work experience. And what we have them do is measure themselves. Then they find three people, two that are good terms, one that's kind of rocky. And I say, you're going to ask these people, these questions, you're going to have them gauge it on a scoring sheet, one to 10, and then you're going to have them tell you why. And when you ask them these questions, you need to tell them this. I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. I need you to tell me what I need to hear. And on top of that, I cannot respond, refute, rebut, or reply to you for 48 hours. I'm just going to sit and listen and take notes. And people come in. They dive into the conversation, right? And they'll tell you the truth if they're good. But the first one to three, they're testing you. Are you really going to let me say these things? Okay. And so by four or five, they finally get to that, that pokey one. And how you handle that determines the gold you get or don't. If they poke you hard and you go, wait, 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 you know, you've lost it. But if you go, all right, and just keep going, they go, oh, shit, really, let me do this, right? All of a sudden, more comes out. By the time you get to 10, you're, your heart's broken because you're just feeling sad, but you got some good information. You go, hey, can we go back to the beginning real quick? Let me see if there's anything I missed. And you go back through one to four of them. They usually add some stuff because they were still playing like kind of dicey back and forth in that intro portion. But then you walk away with insights on who you really are that you didn't realize you were. And it fuels your next steps properly because you're able to work on the things that you really need to work on, not what seems ideal for you because it's, I can work real hard at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that's so relevant to athletes. And you know what I found, and I probably realized this a little bit too late in my athletic journey was when you ask coaches the hard questions, most of the time, the right coach will give you the raw answer as opposed to just saying, yeah. you know, Anthony, you're great. You know, you're, you're perfect where you are, as opposed to you, here's some things you could improve on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that once I got in the, in into the professional ranks and that helped my game, you know, instantly increase because I was like, yeah, I'm not good at this. Nobody's ever told me. I didn't know, you know, what people were seeing on the outside. So I think that's, that's so critical um, from what to focus on because there's so many things nowadays, business, life, sports, you know, you're trying to go after that next person who's on the next level of you. And, you know, you're chasing so many different paths. um, And I think it leads to kind of your, your, your term, the GPS planner, like how you kind of came across, you know, that, and you know, how that's led you to be more focused in how you live your life um, today.
1: It's a little different. So the GPS planner became this tool that was so there's a couple steps between we're gonna have to skip, but I'm gonna give you a little bit of insight what they are. The biggest thing you talked about is knowing what your work is. There's a way you can find out what your stuff's supposed to be. And then you start figuring out now that that you have this idea, you gotta find a way to do these things. And you have to actually structure it properly. My my big thing is designing your dark, right? So when we go to dark work experience, a window of time. It's got to be designed. Most people want to go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go dark. I'm going to hustle. And they're trying to be disciplined to the emotion. But the emotion dies off. One day you're going to wake up and not feel on fire. And then that day is going to happen next week. You know, It's just not like it's going to be like a month from now. You're going to have four to five days from now. No matter how fired up you are now, you're going to wake up in four or five days and go, I'm doing this again. Right? So you can't be disciplined to an emotion. Discipline to a plan is the key. Disciple means to follow, plan, plan. Follow a plan. You got to design that thing. And so for most people, they go, I'm I'm just going to make sure I work out three times a week. Not deep enough, man. I'm going to work out on Monday. Still not deep enough. When are you going to work out? On Monday at 6 a.m. Cool, we got it. Right now, but that's the thing. It's just one piece of it. When are you going to spend time with your wife or your husband? When are you going to work on your business projects? What business projects are you going to work on? When are you going to take your free time? Like all these little nuances that people talk about, but it's arbitrary. It floats in the air. And so I go, I need to, for my own self, I was like, I need to find a way to take all these little pieces, organize them into a section, and then infuse them into my life ongoing so I could be at peace and run my life and do what I do best, work. Because a lot of us, when we want to like work, like we can flow into it, but then we start questioning the work. Should I work on this right now? What about if I did this over here? But I, that's got to get done too. And I'm never focused. So the hour passes and the thing I wanted to get done, never gets done. And so I go, what if I made like a little system? And I did this back in 2011, I made my little system and started working it. Over the last, you know, what, 12 years now, it's been really refined, man. It's a it's a system. And so what I did is I made myself a planner that eventually people go like, I like that. And I go, okay, cool. So I made planners for everybody else. And I sell these planners now called the GPS planner. But the the magic isn't the paper, dude. The I did make a planner that's longer than most. I think most planners like three or six months. Mine's nine months. I'm like, I want to fit as much in here as I can. I don't like having a this thing out every three months. There's 70 million quizzes and things. I'm like, I got one. I'll ask you one set of questions every Sunday, <laughs> like just to gauge it. Because here's the thing. The magic is in the system that you apply to it, right? There's a whole different thing I teach. Once we get all those ideas clear, and you know what you want to do, why it's critical for your future identity and for your future achievement, then we get to infuse it in. And so the, the magic is in the system. And really, the way I could explain it is you find out what you're working on, You segment it by hours. You put it to the side. You find out what you want your life to be. You put it to the side. You block out your calendar for six weeks and you start working up to six weeks infusing first your life, time with your family, what you want to do, work it in, highlight the open spaces, come back to your projects that are segmented by hours and you infuse it hour by hour modularly into your open spaces. You do it up to six weeks out and you're done first time. The next week, when you eat a week, you lead a week. So I'm always six weeks out. It allows me to be able to do whatever I want with my life, knowing where every project is placed, when it's gonna get done, when it's gonna, it's usually ahead of time also. But here's a beautiful piece. I can every day get done at 2.45 and be off because everything is where it's supposed to be. So I can be at peace with the pieces. Like the pieces of that project are done. I'm at peace. Turn it off close the laptop, go get a workout, hang with my wife, take my kids somewhere. Because I know tomorrow at 7.30, I got this starting up and I got to work, but I'm done at 245. Right? There's a rhythm to it all. And then once you get that rhythm in place, it actually becomes easy. It's hard at first, right? Every, everything you were talking to, it, it's hard at first. Even if it's good for you, our human desire for homeostasis to be who we are, it's, it's strong, right? Even if you're going to do something good because it's new, like I want to do that, it feels uncomfortable. You have to reset your your homeostasis and raise it, but once you do, emotionally it feels just as easy as it does now. So some people go, "Ant, how do you do all that stuff?" And I go, "Oh, it's just that's just Tuesday morning, bro. (laughs) Like morning. Hey, you want to see the rest of my day? Like here, you know. And it's not because I'm special. It's just because I built that over time to where now my rhythm and my flow. It's it's as easy for me to do you know a, a 40 hour work week of unique little different things as it is for somebody else." To, to do the same easy or 10 hours of work, right? It's just, it's just easy and flow for me. I enjoy it, but I had to build into it. And it now became part of my identity, which is a, a whole different conversation of pure alignment. Like I do these things because it's who I am to do them. So there's no magic as to why I get great stages and I get asked to come on cool podcasts. It's like, this is my natural human rhythm now. And it's, it's just as easy and it flows anybody else's life.
0: I love how intentional you are with your thoughts, and I, I call you know kind of the the organization time chunking, and that's how I kind of plan it out. But I've never thought about doing it six weeks in advance. It's kind of like week to week or day to day.
1: Yeah, it's the struggle. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But then everybody does that. Just you know, I, I work at Amazon execs. They're exact same, man. You're talking about people that are up responsible for billions of dollars. They do the same thing. Most humans, we, we work in the next two weeks. That's it, the next two weeks. and then when I, That's why it's so hard to change. Because we go, I want to start getting up early and doing my thing. And it's like, where am I going to do it? I have no time. You're right. You don't have time in the next two weeks. Let's start that in week three. Let's plan for week three or even week four. Let's plan for week four to start that. So when you start putting things in your calendar, your team starts doing that. Already have your life in place. When they go, Hey, I see this is happening at 7am. Can I move it? No, you can't. Why? It's my morning routine time now. Okay. And you got to you actually have to retrain people in your life of how you function in this process. So that part of the whole thing is when you start doing things different, right? This is the whole idea of people misunderstand. They ridicule. You start doing things different. They go, what are, you, what are you doing? Getting up at six in the morning, walking outside, making tea or meditating. What do you, you know, honey, what are you doing? And they get, they're going to poke you. You is what I'm going to do. I'm sure you are, right? And you do it. And they make funny a little bit for the first week. Second week, you still doing that? You're still doing the minute? God, so weird. But then they notice you're a little bit nicer. The week three comes, like, you're really, you're really still doing that, huh? Yeah. A month goes by. Gosh, it's awesome. You're still at that. Can I join you? And, it, you know, it's a transition. And so you have to battle through that to get there. And it's the same thing with your team. It's the same thing with people that help with their schedule. It's everybody around is going to look at you different, but you can't have that feedback be something that goes, I got to stop because they're not liking me. Yeah. They're not, not that they dislike you, but you're, you're stepping out of the box. They know you to be in.
0: Yeah. You're changing the person that they're used to and that they love or they like, or they admire. And that's a change for them that they have to battle as well.
1: Yeah. Battle it, man. That's a great question. Ben says, uh, obviously having discipline is key. Yes. But what have you found to be the most effective way to reset your homeostasis? You do it slow. So I'm not real big on going big, if that makes sense. I think going big is its a recipe for failure. What I think it is, is you go very small in a really big way. So it's not that you reset it, but you adjust it, right? So I, I elevate it. I want, I want to have my normalcy, my homeostasis at a higher level, but I can't shove it up too high to where it stresses me out. So what I do is I raise it a little, right? So if I go, I want to put some things in my life that are different. What's the first piece? Like say somebody wants to, I want to eat healthier, right? The homeostasis part, you don't just go, I'm going to clear my pantry. I'm going to start making food, get a whole diet routine. I'm going to change. I'm going to do a paleo. I'm going to take seven grams of this. No, 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 no. Here's the first part of it. Just choose a day to go to the grocery store, buy food. What food, Ant? The perfect food? No. The stuff you don't typically buy that you know is healthier. Just do that, right? I'm going to go deep. But here's the thing. I need you to get into a cadence of going to the store, buying food, coming home, cooking it, storing it, and eating it in place of your trash, right? Once that rhythm's in place, now we can elevate the homeostasis a little bit more, go, let's be selective even more on what you're going to choose because now you already have a rhythm in place for going to the store, buying food, prepping food, eating food, all right? Now just change a little bit of what the food itself is. It's easy because the cadence is already there. So most people, they go too fast, too early, and they throw it all away. Whereas if you just take small, simple things and try to get yourself in a different rhythm, right, that's the homeostasis raising in a way that's not stressful, then you can actually start adding things to it over and over. A buddy of mine, Brennan Burchardt, has a book called High Performance Habits. And and it's kind of a concept. He talks about habit clusters. When you have one habit in place that's a a powerful one you love and it's doing great, you'll start to notice the habits around that take away or add to it. And you'll diminish the ones that take away. So also if I start eating healthy, doing stuff, you start going, gosh, I want to get in great shape. I'm eating healthy. I'm doing this thing. Eventually, you go, I should probably start working out. Right? So you start working out you start going, I should probably stop staying up late, you know, because my body's not healing properly. So you start going to bed earlier and you start getting up at the same time. You know, gosh, you know what? I should probably like stop watching these stupid TV shows because now that I've got myself, I can go out for hikes. Let's go for hikes. So I'm going to stop watching TV, right? Your habits start to adjust over time. But it's usually just with one simple piece, like one thing of just, like we talked about, go to the store on a Sunday, buy food, come home, cook it, put in containers, and then eat it throughout the week. And I don't even mean every meal. Maybe going, I'm just gonna change dinner this week. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna prep five dinners for myself. Cool, prep five dinners, right? Then I'm gonna go, I'm gonna prep five lunches and dinners. Okay, cool, I'm gonna prep five. Then breakfast, right? And you're just the simple things, and eventually you start getting more creative with stuff. But the journey should be small things that you do in a big way.
0: Small things in a big way, that's what, that's what they add up to. I love that. Um, I recently read a book called Discernment um, by Jeff, Jeff Duden, and he talks a lot about assets and liabilities equal equity, or you know, assets minus liabilities, just like a balance sheet in a business. You know, yeah. Assets bring you closer to where you wanna go, liabilities take you further away. Yeah. Um, that really resonated with me because you know, running a business now, kind of considering myself a business athlete coming from athletics, that was always important. But how critical is environment, you know, to folks? And I'll give you an example because, you know, in, in professional sports, you know, they were dictating our environment. They were giving us a pizza after a game. They were giving us mm-hmm. Gatorade or yeah. sugary drinks to try to keep us, you know, fuel. Um, but that environment was what most players saw as not conducive to what they wanted to accomplish. Um, and, and it was hard to go against that because that environment was in place to generalize yeah. the, the athlete.
1: Yeah, it was. I think that, that, I think Harvard did a study on this that said that even like 14 year 15-year-old window of time, that age group, that they could trickle it back to a 99% accuracy that your, uh, your environment, your people are what depicts your outcomes. It is. Because we, we are human beings, they don't realize the brain is not designed to optimize. It's designed to adapt. It's actually what it's made to do. We're we're not, at a neurological level, yes, even at a a cellular level, think about it. Our our brain doesn't go, hey, I'm running. I should lose weight, right? The brain goes, we're running a lot. It's whatever this is going on right now. How can I make this more efficient? I'm going to adapt. I'm going to get rid of some of this fat in the body. I'm going to use it, right? I use it. I don't want to care. Whatever happens, your body loses. Hey, I'm lifting weights. This is getting hard. What should I do? I should probably increase the muscle size, right? So it helps muscle. Now, yes, I'm thinking at a, a level like muscles are thinking, but it's just, it's set at a level for adaptation. And so for a lot of us, we start thinking about the things you want to do and how you want to, we're just in a situation where our brain wants to adapt. And so it adapts to the environment. We get into it. We don't want to be the, uh, no one wants to be the one sticking out. It's uncomfortable to do so. And and really, the, the most successful people in the world, this is kind of what they find comfort in is not adapting or, or adapting at a level beyond the environment to where they create their own environment, to where you have to adapt to theirs, right? So the people you're around and how you do things, yes, the food they bring in, you start thinking, oh, it's okay because the environment says so. And, and that's kind of where you can look at humanity and, and people always say you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And I think it's a, it's a half truth. I think you're the average of the expectations of the five people you surround yourself with what their view is of success what their you know that's what gets you elevated and there are people who are levels above you that you might go that's a person I want to follow and pay attention to but I go well, what are their expectations am I do I want to go beyond that room if I want to go beyond that room I may enter it for level but I got to be looking for people trying to go past that room and so it's it's always the expectations but yes we will adapt and and here's the thing is people know this I think it's not like a new concept, but it's hard to do, meaning it's hard to enter those rooms because a lot of individuals identify as a person lower than that room. They go, this isn't who I am. This is how I function, right? And so and I I get that that kind of viewpoint of, yeah, yeah, you may feel uncomfortable to to go to that next room because you're not that person yet, but you can't. You can't let that hinder you from stepping into the discomfort of the room because most people, like you said, adaptation, they've adapted this environment, this group, these people, they feel good, but they also know, gosh, I want more. I want more money. I want more love. I want more joy. But their friends I'm around, they're cool. And I like them and they like me, but I want more. But I'm not like that person, that group up there. I can't go ask them to let me in. And so you stay stuck here because no one wants to be friendless. No one wants to be cast out from their tribe. But I, I, I don't think they'll grasp is people at a higher level, they know how hard it is to get there. They know how hard it is to cross that chasm to jump into the room. And so usually they're trying to help you up into it. Most people, not all, but most want to help you up in. But they're only going to grab the crab that's trying to climb out of the bucket. Mm -hmm. That's the one I can grab. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to grab the one trying to stay in the bucket, right? And like, you want to come out? I got you. It's easier. And so you have to kind of desire to go into this new room and feel super uncomfortable. But after a while, you start to have comfort with that discomfort. Like when I played sports, I was horrible in high school, got good in high school. I go to college. I was a freshman. I sucked as a freshman, right? By the time I get climbed up, I'm one of the best in, in, in the country at my position. Go to the NFL. I suck. Try to climb. Got hurt, obviously, but you're still every time it's the same thing. After a while, you start kind of having this, this comfort with it. So when I got down, I was like, I'm gonna go in every room I go into, I try to outpace and perform above the room to leave the room. I'm not, I'm not a special human, I got a brain, I got fingers, I got, I got life, right? But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to push beyond this room because I know that the life is lived in the discomfort in all those areas. And so if I am okay with the environment so much so that I'm like, I feel good here, I'm going to stagnate myself. and There's going to be some opportunity or some place I could be that I'm going to miss out on completely because I felt too comfortable here. And so we do, I think, as humans, even as professionals, have to step back sometimes and go, do I, do I belong here? Do I want more? And if I do, how do I climb? And, and if I'm going to climb, I have to be okay leaving this tribe and trying to enter a new one uncomfortably. Go into that room and feel stupid. I, I can count, I, I probably have to cover all my hands and toes to cover the, the rooms that I've went into. And I sit down, I like, go, I'm a smart guy. I sit down, I go, I don't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> like, like, this is, you just feel like you can't add to the conversation. You sit there for like, like a lump in a log. And even the way their mind processes, you go, gosh, I feel like, oh, you know, right? But I go, I'm not going to leave the room, though, because it tells me where it's where I'm supposed to be, right? So you sit, and if you do it long enough, you sit, and you listen, you sit, and you listen. You're okay asking a dumb question. All of a sudden, you get ingrained. You get brought in, and you rise, and you rise, and you rise, and you just keep doing it. And all of a sudden, you become a person that's teaching the same room. But it's, it's a journey we all have to go through.
0: Yeah, I think that adaptation muscle, that pull to always adapt, creates a cloudiness and you know it's kind of like a looseness of our expectations and our standards and when we have when we just have the standards of those people around us and don't push that forward it causes us to bring our expectations down do you see a difference between expectations and standards because I think those Mm -hmm. are key when you start out is do you have those and and how loose are they
1: well they're somewhat similar so I I coach my son's football team it's a great question for me right now because I'm dealing with this my man I'm a football guy, dude. It's my it's my core. It's gosh, my love. The game gave me so much. It's like uh it's something that I don't want people to disrespect. And I don't, I'm not worried about winning championships only. I'm I'm worried about doing things right that will help you win championships. You do those things, you you get the outcome. Coach Tom was my coach when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's like great people do the simple things well. Like great champions do the things that the, the basic things amazingly better than the people who aren't champions. So they just, they just get used to the normalcy of it. And so expectations, and then and you know, called standards, are a little different. So we can have an expectation. I expect this of you, and hold this to you, and it's still a standard, right? But the thing is, an expectation can fall below the standard. And let, let me explain this. The team that I I am I've adopted call it called as a a football team that I'm coming into. Previously, the expectation was to win football games. Like everybody is to win football games. That's the expectation, right? They want to win. But the standard they held themselves to to do that far too low. I got a bunch of soft kids that, that are good kids, good humans, but they're not built for football, man. They're, 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 they don't have the anger. They don't have the grit, they don't have a desire to hit. So the expectation is the same. We're gonna win games this year. I go, but here's a standard. The standard is you make practice. You get a bump or a bruise? I don't care. It's football. You got to wrap it up and keep playing. If you're injured, different conversation. We will be aggressive. We will be energetic. We will give effort. We'll have attention to detail. If you fall below it, I will not let you get by with it. Like if you don't do this thing, and I tell you here's the here's the outcome, you're gonna have to do that. If I say, hey, if you guys get scored on it, it's twenty up downs, if that team scores twenty times a day, you're doing four hundred up downs. Sorry, I'm, I'm not sorry though. That's the standard we set because the expectations here. But some teams have an expectation, but their standards down here, and they wonder why they can't meet expectations. And so what I say is if your expectations here, you need to take a look away from what you're doing and gauging yourself and how hard you're pushing, you're doing your thing and go, what is a standard I see of someone who has that already? What do they do? How do they do it? What, what do they get frustrated? at? It's a big thing. What do they get frustrated at? If you watch enough content from people, you'll find out what frustrates them and hidden within that little pocket, you'll find the standard they've set for themselves. And you have to go, am I meeting that standard? Like I said earlier, you can't attain or sustain something above your current identity. People who have certain identities at that level, their standards are higher. It's not just because they have some leg up or they read a book. Their standards higher. They do what the book tells them to do, right? So while you may have the same expectation, I want to have a multi-million dollar business, right? Cool. Is your standard at the level of what a multi-million dollar business requires? Because someone has it. They didn't get it by accident. Are you doing the same thing they are? And if you aren't, don't look yourself in a mirror and go, you're doing a good job working as hard as you can. No, you're not. You're working as hard as you want to, not as hard as you can. And if if that's the case, cool, you want to stay there? Beautiful. Let the dream go. But if you want to actually do that, raise your standard to what it is. Live at that standard. And I tell people, get into your head what it's going to take to get the dream or get the dream out of your head.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it, I think it goes back to... You're being led or you're leading your own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was key as an athlete because we always looked up to coaches to be that example of the standard and we kind of conformed to their standard. Yeah. But at a certain point in time, and we both gotten to this point, we had to kind of take our own accountability. and there's you know a lot of pain along that journey in order to get to a point where you say, I'm now going to take accountability for myself. there's nobody setting the standard for me. And I think that's very difficult for a lot of people to get to that point. Um, yeah. Any any advice you've you know seen really click with folks on, you know, taking that accountability, but setting standards and then holding them hard in the in the paint or in the sand mm-hmm. when somebody comes and and violates it that you care about.
1: Yeah, man. That's a whole it's a whole journey right there. That's actually a lot. So, and it's not a bad way, but it's it's a question that has a lot of weight to it. That's a genuine need for people because they're. There are areas we have to have accountability, but also we have to have boundaries, right? I I think the first piece is I need to set a boundary and know what my boundary is and hold it. And it's not just to keep things out. It's also to keep things in, right? That's where the standards hold. My boundary says, this is what I do. I don't eat this. I don't go here. I don't have these people, right? Whatever it is. Then also, these people don't come around me. There are people that I've I've set solid boundaries in my life. I just don't ever interact. I can't do it. If I do, you bring something into my life that it's going to take from somewhere else that I'm not going to see until it's too late. Boundaries get set up. But then you have the aspects of accountability. And, and this is where it becomes interesting because some people think they can do it by themselves. And it, I don't want to say it's impossible to, but statistically, it's incredibly difficult. It's very hard. You have to be a, a crazy human being in, in a good way. That's why there's one Michael Jordan. It's why there's, you know, one Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like the, these are people who are abnormal in a sense of how they can hold themselves to a line. But I bet they guarantee if you go back, they also have people that keep them accountable and hold them and, and more support them, but they have different kinds of fire in their belly and not everybody has that. And that's okay. I don't have a Tom Brady fire. That's okay. I'm, I'll am i upright honestly say that I'd have been one of the damn best in the world, right? It's just the nature of, of life. And I think some people, when they, they go, I'm not at that level, it means they're horrible people. No, it's just, it's just different. And that's okay to live your life I and mean, be whoever the hell you want to be. But for me, what I look at is, is most of us need somebody to keep us on track, help us stay on track. And what that means is it's just someone that you have an integrity contract with. This is how I look at my, I have an accountability partner named Mark. We just met yesterday. Every two weeks, we hop on a call, 11 a.m., and we just rip and run. And we have we take notes of, hey, here's what I'm going to do in two weeks. And when two weeks comes, did you do that? Cool. What's next? Now, my goal is to never, ever one time show up to that call having not completed what I said I would complete. So we have some curriculum in our program that I want to redo. And so I'm like, all right, by next two weeks, I'm going to redo modules eight, nine, and 10 in our speaking coaching program. It's going to be a little bit of a haul, but I put that down and I know that I'm not going to show up in two weeks and not have that done. Now, is it because I'm not an adult, not responsible, nothing to do with that. I just know that I could easily tell myself, hey, I'm going to do it. Give myself an extra week. No big deal. And only I would know. My wife would have know. You wouldn't know. Clients wouldn't even know because it's not like they're waiting for it. But I'll know. And so that'll drive me to a certain level. But then I I know it's a deadline of I got to show up to see somebody and do this. I may push my deadlines, but I can't push that integrity contract I have. It's signed. And so what I do is I have a, a built in process that keeps me on track moving so I can celebrate with somebody, but also keep nudging myself. And so for a lot of people, we, we don't think we need anybody to oh, do it self-made. No, you're not. And it's not smart to do it that way. It's going to drain you more, right? The idea is find somebody who you can lean on. They can lean on you, not as a babysitter. Their job's not to tell you how to be an adult. Their job's to be there so that you can stay accountable to them.
0: Yeah, I love the identity contract because that makes it concrete to each of us as opposed to something that's just, you know, an idea that we're going after, which is yeah. an idea can be changed by the second. Um, you know, yeah, I, I love what you're doing on the speaking side, uh, took your initial step in that, um, but I love how you shaped to be able to share your story, you know, what did it take to get you there, and what have you learned from the ability to share your story with all kinds of audiences, right, it's the Amazons, it's sports teams, it's, you know, young sports teams as well, Yeah, um, what have you learned along that journey?
1: I, I've learned a lot that I didn't think I'd, I needed to learn, but then you find out like, oh wow, like that's actually useful for the world. I think a lot of us assume that lessons are already inherent in somebody else's head and they just, they aren't, you know, it's just ways they don't think through things. And then also I didn't realize that a lot of the things that help people are what you don't want to share. Like the things that are the most like close to the chest, things that are like scary, they're, uh, you know, almost shameful those are the things other people are battling, but they'll never talk about. So because they don't talk about them, they never get better at them. They never navigate through them. They just, they, they quietly, you know, navigate this thing. And it's it's sad. So for me, what I found is in the beginning, I didn't want to share that part of me. I don't I don't want to let the world know about me in these areas. And then the more you start sharing things, you get people to go, God, I feel like that too, man. I'm glad you finally said something because I thought it was crazy. And I go, really? Like, yeah, I guess. And you start sharing more of it, you know, then you share more of it. And little by little, you start finding out that if you really want to help people, like really want to help somebody, you could have all the answers in the world, but unless they know that you get them, and I'm not just saying know how much you care. I mean, know that they that they can say this person understands my journey. The lessons don't land. That's like me going, hey, uh, I'm going to teach you how to be a white woman in America. Like, why would you? You have no experience with that. Like, what are you talking about? You know, but if I said, let me teach you to be. Uh, A professional football player who, you know, navigated childhood in foster care. Oh, this guy, he he probably gets it, right? And so the idea is it's just my experience that you inherently get that I'm going to understand you. And if I don't tell my stories, I don't don't share the true depths of me, people aren't going to feel like they can hear the things I have to say and they aren't going to be able to get the lessons that I could give. And so for me, it's more of saying when I go up and share and I speak, It's not that I learned some way to share it and frame it, which, yes, over time, you develop the skill set of telling stories and sharing concepts and speaking. That's something you develop. But the content of it is one of the most critical pieces. And over time, you start learning that the content you share is the stuff that that nobody wants to tell because that's the stuff that people connect to more. And they'll finally listen to get the ability to go move forward and do the thing you're telling them to do.
0: Yeah, one of the things I found early on in my career, you know, I was always looking for people around me who were happy, who were, you know, stimulated, who were kind of satisfied or striving for success. And a lot of those individuals were sharing painful experiences that they've experienced in the past through some type of business. It could be experience, it could be a product or it could be a service. And those were the people who were able to push through the obstacles that we commonly hit. Yeah. And we you know, either back down or go the different direction. So I love how you you put that and are able to share your story, you know, on, on some of the biggest stages. And you realize continuously a lot of people we assume know this stuff, yeah. but they, you know, they're, they're pushing it down. They're compressing it. They're avoiding it. Yeah, yeah they are, man.
1: And I mean, as much you could do, you can't I can't live anybody's life for them. Yeah, uh, it's the hard thing for me is you, gosh, you could want so much for people, but you can't want more for someone than they want for themselves. And that's, I'm learning that as a father, you know, as a, as a husband, you learn it as a friend because there's so much that I can see. I have a, an interesting, optimistic eye. Now, if somebody hires me as their coach, I could dive right in, right? But you can't do it with your wife, you can't do it with your kids. You just kind of have to get them to be aware and hope they want the thing that you think they should want. And if they don't, help them get what they want. You know, but I can't plant seeds there. And and as much as I'd like to have people desire to do these things I'm talking to, I can't make you want it. Something has to find uh, a settling point in your head and then eventually your heart, you go, I want that because then I can help you. I'm the kind of guy I go, look, I want to help the person swimming towards the shore. If you're just staying where you're at or trying to swim backwards, I can't help you. But if I'm a lifeguard and I'm diving in the water, I want to have the person who's trying to get out of the water. I want to run with you because... Cause you're going to run. I don't have to drag you. I, I can, I can, you're moving. I'm just going to redirect your position and, and direct trajectory as best I can, but, but I don't got to get you moving. That's it. I don't want to drag bodies if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely does. You have to know who you can't help um, in order to help the people that really need you. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: I feel like your brain is, is very focused on helping people and and extracting wisdom from the experiences that you're in. How do you hold back? in some situations from giving advice and kind of making sure that the person's ready to hear, you know, I guess, hear that. I think that's a critical piece for folks that coach is not always just giving advice, but kind of finding that balance.
1: Yeah. I try, honestly, I try not to give too much advice, which is is interesting to hear. I'm sure probably from a person that talks and shares on stage a lot. I find that advice is not always the best thing. It's because you can give advice beyond their vision, and if i give you advice beyond your vision you won't take the first step cuz you can't see it far enough to understand why you should and so when i'm i'm thinking about it like i know i know the 10 steps in front of you and I, and if i try to give you advice at all these different levels i i you're going to be like that's a lot it's too much i don't want to do it so what i try to do is two things one i try to get you to understand what exactly it is you want like where you want to go and then understand and and hopefully at some point get you to, to know what to want which is just to take the first step. And then you ask me, hey, okay, I want to do this first step, right? The first of 10. If I, I don't got to tell you about nine, 10, 11, where I'm going to do all that, or even one, two through 10, but I got to get you to go in that direction we're going. Okay. You're pointed the right way and then get you clear on what the first step is and what, what flows into. And when you go, I want to do that, you're bought in when you want that. Now I go, here's, here's the best way that I have found in my experience to do this. I could be wrong. It's worked for me though. Here's what I did. And then you give them some information of, of what you did. And it's not only advice per se, but it's like, here's what I did. Here's why I did it to where they can make their own calculated choice. Because I have a 14-year-old son. And I don't know if anybody has any kids out there. But you could have the most golden knowledge in the world. I played professional football. This dude barely listens to me. It's, a, it's annoying and it makes no damn sense. And I go, bro... You know, I've done everything you, tell you say you want to do. But why is it when I tell you, you don't want to listen to me? I, I don't know. It's just because he feels like I'm attacking him. I'm dad, right? He's in trouble. Somebody else says it. Oh, bro, it's golden. And so what happens is I need you to want to hear it and make it your decision to do it. So if I'm giving you insights, I'm saying here's a direction to go or what I would do or what I did. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying here's what I did. And then when you settle it and go, it's, it's my choice to do it. People protect what they create. If you create the intention, you create the choice, you'll protect that choice with your actions. So I'm trying to get you to know what direction to go, help clarify kind of what you should want, tell you what I did. But then you go, okay, cool. I'm doing this. And now it's your choice. Now you move. But then what happens is you're moving and you get to point two and you go, God, that was good. And um, what did you do at point two? Oh, here's what I did. Okay, cool. And they take it back. They they call you back. All right, I'm going to try this, right? So you're, you're helping them figure out what they want to do and what they choose along the journey.
0: Yeah, they have to choose it, you can't choose it for them. I think you mentioned that earlier, that's, that's a huge point. Um, no, I, I love what you bring to the world. You know, what are some things you're working on right now that you're really excited about bringing out? Two
1: things, man, just two. I've done a lot in my life and I've had a blast doing it and I've gone all these little pieces and I go, what is the thing that really moves the needle? Simplicity is power. Simplicity is power, man. And so I'm like, I'm going to simplify my life and my value in a way where people know exactly what to come to me for. And so on one side, I I teach people how to go through what's called a dark work experience. I teach on dark work. I go consult, speak on stages. We coach people one-on-one in the cohorts and the community we're going to launch. And it all comes out, I want to say next month, we're going to be doing a whole lot of launching of everything. So it's all, all I'm going to do is it's a very intricately designed 90-day period to play dark work experience. That is all I'm going to do with my company for the next decade. I'm going to get ridiculously refined doing that with individuals, with companies, and from a stage to where people know that, that a dark work experience is the gold standard for optimizing your identity for peak performance. One thing. Other side is I love teaching. Like the things I do, I do so much. I'm so ingrained in... In learning and in marketing and teaching and, and sharing and coaching, I go, what what do I coach? And I go, it's, it's always best to coach what you have done and what you do well. I have gone the journey of learning the speaking, coaching, consulting world from just a guy who is a gym owner to where I'm at now. And I go, I know that. I'm also still doing it. I'm still in the trenches, man. I'm talking, coaching. I, I'm consistently booking speeches, doing speeches, a whole flow. So I go, I'm going to teach people how to do that. So I do it. And then I'm teaching how I do it. And those are the two things I'll do for at least the next decade's my goal. If something comes along as a new company, right, that's great. I may invest in it and help it grow. But the things that I'm committing to are building a dark work brand that the world knows and building as many amazing speakers, coaches, and consultants as possible who want to lead with speaking and have the other portions subsidize their income.
0: Yeah, I admire the focus. I think you've seen a lot of different things. You've tried a lot of different business endeavors, I'm sure. And finding what, like you said, that balance of what you're good at and what you know, um, bringing those two together. I think a lot of people sit on either side of that as opposed to bringing those two together, which is extremely impressive. You know the world needs more dark work in their lives. Yeah. I think it's you know each as individuals, as communities coming together, maybe doing the dark work and meeting in certain places yeah. to take help that take place. Part
1: of the plan, um,
0: yeah, you're building that community, yeah. uh, which I'm excited about. You know, one of the one of the final questions we always like to ask on this show you know, it's, it's the connected mindset. So we're, we're all about connecting to what's going to get you to that next step. Mm-hmm. I think connecting to dark, dark work is one of those areas yeah. everybody should connect with. Um, what is, what does being connected or connection mean to you in your life right now?
1: Ah, uh, Man, it means being open. I think, I think there's a, a flow in and a flow out of everything. and And sometimes it's like flowing in of, of insights and ideas of love, of care, and it's, it's got to be a two-way street. If I want to have great relationships, which I think are the, the best part of life, right? That's a deep connection with its a relationship. But like we have a relationship now. It's not the same with my wife or my best friends, right? But there's a relationship. It's a communication. You could reach out and I could have a conference, right? This is it's a simple relationship. It's a connection. And I think that the open flow helps that make that amazing. Meaning like if my wife gives to me and I don't give back, the connection will die. You know, like there's going to be something that falters. That relationship won't be what it could be. Uh, it could also be connecting to my God, to my source, to open the, the connection, to, to receive and to give. But like that, that connection means there's an open flow. The way I look at it is like when I, when I connect the, the HDMI cord, right, there's a back and forth flow. There's, there's always that thing that's, that things are traversing back and forth. And so when I hear that, I go, that's really the key to, to a great life, man. It's can I be connected to people, open to people, let, letting the emotions come in and come out and flow. And if I do that right, I don't care how much money I make or what happens, like, it actually becomes a really cool life. And I think that's for me, the, the big key for me is just to have a really awesome life, man. And if I give and I connect, and I give great value, I, I get financial benefit in return and I can live my life and fund my life and do all those kinds of cool things. So for me, a lot of it is built on that. Even when I coach clients, I'm, I'm trying to know all of them. Like I have 70 some clients in our coaching program from just the speaking right now, like 78. I want to know and try to know all of them. Like it's just because they can be connected to me I can be connected to them. There's a back and forth. I can get insights to improve me and I can also help them and help them celebrate. And then I feel good. And when I'm feeling good, I have joy in my heart. I go back to my wife and my kids and I'm connected to them at a joyous place. Right. All this stuff. It's, it's a natural flow in and out.
0: I love it. Yeah. I think this episode is going to have a huge impact on folks going out into the world with simplicity, with, you know, integrity around what, you know, what is best for them. Um, and then them doing the dark work, recognizing that shadow work that we discussed, yeah. and and then going to do it in the right method. So Anthony, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation. You too, man. Take care. Very welcome.